we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Hello, our wonderful, wonderful audience. This is Peter Bregan and... Ginger Bregan. Yes, who has the more powerful, clear voice reflecting the state of her mind. <laughs> With that. Do you try to make me giggle at the beginning of the show? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's nothing like bringing out the child in each other that keeps us young, alive, and in love. <laughs> yes, it's true. So uh, this is America Out Loud, a wonderful series on uh, America Out Loud Pulse, a, a wonderful series at 5 p.m., uh, five days a week. And we have the Thursday slot um, and uh, it's medically oriented often and health oriented, but it can go in any direction. And uh, always freedom oriented. Always freedom oriented. Yeah. And today is uh, especially uh apt for the show is Diana West. And um, uh, it's it's hard for me to um, say uh, enough about uh, Diana to get across to you her importance to me. And her importance started several years ago when I read her book, um, American Betrayal, The Secret Assault on a Nation's Character. And it was the most in-depth analysis I'd ever read of the communist infiltration and control over Western, uh, not just culture, but actually uh, over our political policies internationally, focusing on uh, World War II and uh, running against the grain, a grain of the narrative. And that's going to be very relevant to today's show, which is going to be about a free press. Is there one? What's happening? What's going on in Hawaii? Uh, what is happening to uh, to people who speak out against the narrative. And also uh, for uh, Diane and I, we've been ahead enough in our own areas that we were canceled before anybody had a word for canceling. So we're going to talk about all of those very interesting things. And uh, Diana's book, American Betrayal, I'm not sure I could have written, uh, I did, did the writing, but the you know, co-authoring, Ginger does a huge amount of research, thinking, following up, and so on. Uh, I'm not sure I could have really written COVID-19 and the um, uh, global predators, COVID-19 and the global predators, as deeply as I did if I didn't have that inspiration of, uh, of uh, reading Diana, because that really helped me just see things I had not seen before, and now I was seeing things that other people had not seen before and written about, or at least written about uh, before. She's also written a book called A Good Book, A Growth of uh, the Death of the Grown-Up, which... That was uh, a fabulous book. Uh, yeah, good. That was a fabulous book. That was how I discovered Diana West. And I do believe I can take credit for bringing the other book to Peter's attention because I found it after I read the, the uh, death of the grown-up. Sometimes we fight over who did it first, <laughs> but um, I think Ginger's absolutely right about that. And then the red thread is a, 
a newer book about, again, the communist influence. And it's a um, really, really good book. And it gets into uh, COVID-19. The uh, this is an amazing woman. She went. Uh, she's a, a Yale graduate, um, and, and uh, it's just been a pleasure to know her for quite a while now. Uh, long, uh, really, before COVID nineteen started. Welcome to the show, um, Diana West. We're so glad to talk with you. Oh, thank you so much, Peter and Ginger, for that extremely generous and and gracious introduction. I appreciate that. All true. But uh, I, I would like you to just pick up uh, anywhere you want and direct this, uh, and sure. we'll just interact with you. Uh, we, we talked okay. about a number of very interesting things that you quickly brought up, uh, suggesting we talk about uh, freedom of the press. Yes, yes. Well, I after long ago, my English major, I did become a journalist, and I spent my whole career um, as a as a journalist and then a syndicated columnist for 15 years and uh and then more of a of an author and book author. Um I had some stints even at CNN, believe it or not, back in the Lou Dobbs days uh as a pundit. So I've done a lot in in media and always always uh you know fairly much on the alternative side in the sense of being a, a conservative person and having therefore a very different perspective on events than the majority liberal press. Now, years and years ago, we were sort of treated to these percent, you know, it seemed, I think it was Rothman and Lichter were their names. They were always polling the, 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 the news, the, the press, the, we used to call them the press, right? Now it's the media for their political attitudes. And it was always some ridiculous figure, such as 90% of the Washington press corps voted for McGovern. I'm just making that up, but just a huge majority yeah. and so on going forward. So this was always led, led us to account for why the news was slanted a certain way. And that's all well and good. But something very different took place really over the span of my own career. And that is the press ceased its role as adversarial, skeptical questioning the press became supine and essentially a a handout a handout based profession and this this is this is sort of paralleled a number of of declines we might we might talk about in the culture generally but this one is extremely dangerous because the, the press is supposed to be our eyes and ears and we don't have any anymore. And that that's kind of my own conclusion. And I can tell you, I used to be somebody who regularly got, uh, I don't know, three, four newspapers delivered to the door, in addition to just consuming news, generally speaking, in many other ways. So I don't look at those papers anymore, except in a very derisive way, or to see how they're spinning something, or to see what stories they're shutting out. And so in the arc of my own career, I can say that I've learned that as of today, if something is on the front page of the New York Times, Washington Post, et cetera, it probably to the point of, of certainty is not the leading story of the day. It is the story we're supposed to look at rather than what's really going on. And that is sort of the way I look at the news now and kind of take it from there. But that's a, that's a huge decline. And it's very, very dangerous for obvious reasons. 
And so that's kind of my general spiel on the state of the media, as in we don't have one. I think that the point you make um, about how the media emphasizes things to distract us from what's really important. Uh, I personally don't think about it enough. Ginger thinks about it a bit more than I do and points it out to me. And I, I think this is just incredibly important that we are being constantly distracted by the media. And yes. um, when they do talk about something, that has to do with liberty or freedom or populism or uh, America first or uh, basic uh, issue, ba basic values that go back to the founding of this country. They always make a mess of it. I mean, if, if yes. you just would have no idea what was actually going on at any given time. <laughs> um, yes. Well, it's, I think that one way to really illustrate that is the general concept of freedom of speech as it exists today in in our media and and it 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 truly does not exist and i i was listening recently to an interview of matt taibbi matt taibbi is by no means a conservative journalist i'm sure he's a liberal but he is he's the journalist he's an independent journalist and he still is a journalist and frankly when I was listening to the interview, I think I discovered why he interned with Nat Hentoff. Nat Hentoff was a was a great uh, just supporter, isn't the right word, but he constantly hit the importance of the of of free speech and the First Amendment. He was a First Amendment uh, writer, very often writing about First Amendment issues. Taibbi did intern with him um, back when. Hentoff was writing for the Village Voice and the Washington Times. So that's where his column was running when I first became aware of him. I, I worked at the Washington Times in the 1980s. Um, so Taibbi was just was describing the mindset of his colleagues. He's a working journalist and he's the one who came to general fame because he was given access to the so-called Twitter files to document what most of us already knew because we could see it, but to document the collusion between the security state, the FBI, et cetera, other branches of, of security administration in Washington and Twitter executives to freeze out, to censor, to, to, to expel voices who were telling the truth about COVID, about election fraud, and how this really worked on the documentary level. And he found it incredibly hard to get his story out because the media didn't want it. He ended up testifying before Jim Jordan's so-called weaponization committee, which frankly, as an aside, is basically like an old fashioned chat show. They bring in interesting guests and don't do anything. I mean, it's, it's terrible. You know, essentially what Congress does is that very thing. They don't do anything. They just bring in interesting people to talk. But Taibbi was brought in and and he was explaining um, the fact that the Democrats on that committee actually used the opportunity to attack him as a journalist and even to see if they couldn't initiate perjury proceedings against him for, for, a time, for some mistakes in his timeline. It was very penny-ante stuff, but that is the hostility that you see at the media level and the and the left level in terms of actually getting things reported that are very important to freedom of speech. And one of the things, the thing, the point I'll conclude with on this is he was explaining that his colleagues in the media 
have this attitude that they can't just put, this is in quote, quote, we can't just put stuff out there and hope that the public makes the right decisions. This is their belief, not his, but their belief. We have to act and make sure that they do the right thing with this information, which means we have to have lockstep discipline about what we say. We have to filter out things we think the public can't handle, and we have to exaggerate things that we think they need to know. And this, he concludes, is a new vision for how information is disseminated. And actually, it's a very old vision. It's a dictatorship. That is That defines how a dictatorship controls information. Welcome to America's free press, so-called. Right. And there's that word lockstep again. Yes. Yes. Which seems to be inundating our society and our government and our media and every other aspect of our lives now. Yes. And it's very close to collectivist, isn't it? Mm -hmm. This notion of, of the group, the hive, that is all antithetical to individual liberty, individual belief, individual freedom. And that's the big divide today. Those of us who still value and and uphold individual freedom versus this lockstep collective that is in charge of all the institutions I can think of. Yes. Uh, the, the concept of the hive uh, yes. is, is, I think, synonymous with collectivism. I mean, yes. when does one give an ant or a bee a name? When does right. make an ant, when does one make an ant or a bee other than something uh, really unique within that hive, like a queen? When does one give it uh, a personal individual identity? Uh, at the most, they're assigned work, uh, they're, they're, they're given uh, work um, identifications. So you've got worker bees and then you've got other kinds of bees. Um, and I haven't spent a lot of time studying bees, but <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you've got. It's very different than human beings. And I believe that one of the things we're seeing is this incredible conceptualization of us all as as members of a hive, as uh, worker bees or ants, without a great deal of important differentiation or individual value. I think that's true. And I think that's that's well said. It 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 very much defines the attitudes of rulers versus the oppressed. And more and more, that is exactly our paradigm. And it it's it's shocking to many because it it doesn't have all the classic signs of a revolutionary takeover. We've had this takeover relatively gradually that is being executed by people who still look the same way. They're not wearing, they're not wearing jackboots, unless of course they're in the FBI doing a, a no-knock raid on an innocent party. But right. they're they're generally speaking, they appear to be doing just as was always done. They haven't so it's it's very difficult for people to notice in some in some way that it is so radically different until you turn around. And I have to tell you, you know, that for example, there was a, a story this week uh, uh, about a January sixth uh, convicted defendant, you know, someone who'd been judged guilty of um, pepper spray against the police during the protest turned 
whatever you want to call it, but not insurrection, this political protest that got to be very riotous. And of course, so many aspects of collusion and, and frame up in, in terms of the documented federal and state local presence in the in the mass of people there that were actually leading and, and riling people up. But that's another story, perhaps. But this particular uh, defendant uh, went on the lam. He disappeared. He was going to be sentenced. The Justice Department was looking for 14 years for this crime. And I was just started looking up pepper spray, um, pepper spray sentencing that I could find easily in news stories. I found a 2015 story out of Ohio where a woman's pepper sprayed a man at a Burger King right in the face. And the judge's sentence for her was he wanted her to be pepper sprayed by the man and there was no jail time. And oh in fact, gosh. they went through this, but it was saline solution. It was not actually pepper spray, but he wanted to, that was how he was going to deal with this, this situation. There was another case where somebody got six months in a, in a, in a, in a criminal uh, forum, uh, you know, of criminal setting. In other words, 14 years is insane. It's completely insane. But, and I'm, I'm trying to remember how this goes back to, oh, I know what it is. So I was reading this story and I was no longer rooting for the FBI to catch that man. Right. I mm -hmm. hope he gets away. And I started thinking, how could he get away? And you start thinking, well, could he get to the Russian consulate and give himself up? And mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, I don't root for the FBI to catch him. And that's, that's to me shows how revolutionary or how complete the revolution has become. Because I am, I am a law and order and and traditional minded and constitution um, abiding American and and a conservative, and that is where we are. The the FBI has become the radical tool of the hive of the collective. It resembles Stasi more than anything American that I would think of as generic, you know, organically American. And that's where we are. We are at odds with this government that no longer allows freedom of speech. Politics has been criminalized. Look at President Trump's various indictments. So many of them go back to the idea or the, 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 the legal concept being advanced by the Department of Justice, by the government, that freedom of speech does not exist for conservatives, that, yeah. that, the, that politics is criminalized. It is not an exercise of freedom of speech. That is such a dangerous place, but what does it remind us of? It reminds us of places where one-party states, like the Soviet Union, it's a one-party state legal maneuver. And it, it, it's, again- Diana, it let me cut in. Yeah. You're being so eloquent. We've run <laughs> quite a bit over oh, into okay. our next segment. It's okay, we're this fine. Diana West, and this is Peter Bregan and, and Ginger Bregan, and we are glued to your words. We'll be back very soon. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. 
We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome back to America Out Loud Pulse with uh, Peter Bregan and with Ginger Bregan and our amazing guest, Diana West. <clears throat> Before I forget, I do want to catch people up with just the status of the uh, $25 million lawsuit against us by, um, what's his name? Robert Malone. <laughs> there we go. And... Um, because people think that it, you know, it just doesn't exist. But actually, it's a very active case. Uh, uh, Malone has not not only brought the case against us in court, uh, we have responded to him. But before um, he uh, um, he just cut he just cut off the the our original response by putting in an alternative um, uh, amendments to his own. Uh, presentation so, so there was an amended complaint yes. that his that uh his attorney ended up submitting instead of responding to us uh in regard to his first complaint so that's how he handled our first criticism in the law of his uh of his complaint he paid no attention and brought another one so uh, we're just moving along and um we're doing fine and um we're thriving and uh, Malone is, uh, I'm not sure whether he's fly or thriving or not, or but he is very actively going after us. So I just want folks to know that, that there's been uh, an escalation, if anything, in the courtroom. So with Diana West, we're talking about amazing things. I actually got so glued to what she was saying that I didn't take responsibility for for ending the first <laughs> Uh, segment. I think the guys can handle it at the studio. Okay. And um, you also, uh, before we went on the air, you talked about the Hawaii. I also think that we could talk more about January 6th, because I think that January 6th has not been given the kind of attention at all among the things that are troubling in America, because uh, they literally have uh, reduced us to a uh, very primitive uh, political system of some kind in which um, if you actually do exercise your right to assembly, um, you may spend a good part of the rest of your life in uh, solitary even mm -hmm. and yes. uh, under terrible conditions. And the court system going through Washington, D.C., which uh, where the citizens believe that people on the right are evil. Um, I mean, I used to believe that when I uh, thought I was a progressive. Does, when you were very young. When I was very young, I okay. um, my impression from my my parents was that uh, probably all white people in the South and all conservatives were evil people. Um, 
and they're happy to take out their frustration and anger on um, people they view as uh, conservatives uh, in that court system. So uh, we're in a tough place, and I want to give it back to you because uh, you have so much to say that's important, Diana. Oh, thank you, Peter. Yeah, well, it is it is a very important story. It's, it's one of the overriding stories of our time, and it's not being given enough attention. Right. Congress is AWOL. The conservative media, with, with you know some stellar exceptions, is AWOL. They don't want to have anything to do with it, not not perhaps fully understanding the fact that it is a shutdown of all politics, all freedom of speech. It is a it is a incubator of fear against the whole American system, the way that these individuals who went to protest to exercise their right to protest. And remember, 2020, going into 2021, was the year of the George Floyd protests, the Antifa protests, that took American civil rights protests to a new level of violence and mayhem with impunity. I mean, you have to sort of know where people were, where their heads were in terms of what they thought protest in America 2021, 2020 was all about. And if you look at the fires, the billions of dollars in damage, the attacks on federal buildings, the the murders, the deaths, the injuries that took place in that context of 2020, before you even get to the presidential election, we were at a new place, so everyone believed. So that's an important piece of context for January 6th. We have over painstaking court trials, particularly the Proud Boys trials, the Oath Keepers trials, which have not, again, given gotten the coverage they deserve. And I want to give a shout out to websites like Gateway Pundit and reporters like Julie Kelly and Steve Baker, whose work has been so important to follow anything that's even going on. But we learned through the, the these these legal uh, processes, the defense attorneys were able to learn that these groups were riddled, were infiltrated by government assets. This this is an incredible unsold story as far as the larger American public goes. They were literally filled with informers before, well in advance of the election in January 6th, which I think most people don't even know about. Then you get to the Capitol grounds, which was also a place of multiple, multiple, various kinds of of government assets, from Metro PD, from you know Washington D.C. to uh, federal federal assets, to what Steve Baker recently reported was a super secret military uh, 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 special operator group that's so secret, how secret is it? So secret, the Pentagon will not even acknowledge its existence. And this he knows from his work uh, with congressional sources who who have confirmed their presence and have been unable to get any information from the Pentagon for that, that supposed reason. And I mention this in particular because two days after Steve Baker brought this forward in his own, uh, uh, I think he's on Locals, which is a platform, um, is one place you can find his work. He received a subpoena. His lawyer was informed that he would be subpoenaed by the January 6th grand jury in Washington, D.C. Coincidence? What a fear tactic. Yes. And what what he found out was, and I I have a I wrote a piece about this, if you'd like to have the link so people can look at it, 
um, what he found out, oh, you know, when the, when it all shook out, his his video, he covered January 6th. He has videotape coverage, which, as I understand it, is basically all on the Internet in one form or another. He's already uploaded pretty much everything he has. And many news organizations have actually used his material. He was on site covering it. They subpoenaed his 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 video which at first he, he was relieved, but then he learned that, no, that's a way of getting you there. And you are probably, he was told by his legal counsel, he was probably already a subject of this grand jury. This was a very alarming story of the government coming down like a hammer on an actually independent journalist that virtually no one covered. There was an Epic Times story, Glenn Beck's The Blaze covered it. In fact, Glenn Beck, hired him, which was helpful because now he has a platform, but he was on the brink of breaking some new information that he had gleaned from he was given access to the fabled 41,000 hours of video coverage from January 6th cameras. I think there were something like 1,700 cameras on Capitol Hill or 1,100, but over a thousand amazing amount. Anyway, he was given access and he was about to break some new story showing government malfeasance and he got the subpoena. And I have been watching him ever since. This was early August. He has not said a word about his experience or new January 6th coverage. And so I can only I can only surmise that he is under a lot of pressure not to speak. Yes, it's the whole uh, new tactic, which we see from uh, from personal cases uh, to to uh, government activities of lawfare where. Uh, I mean, yes, where uh, it's warfare, except using the legal system. And, yes. and 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 if if we are in a war already, and I think we are, um, that's one of the main tactics. I think this is an ex- excellent example of it where yes. uh, the, a government agent, a government department and a government uh, entity actually uses legal activities in order to completely silence a journalist it's a shock and his peers because everybody who oh, might everybody followed, else gets scared everyone yes. gets scared and and look how the lawfare is now escalated when you look at uh in the in terms of the georgia indictment of president trump you're looking at a number of lawyers who are now in the legal crosshairs there and i i've seen i've started to see mugshots i saw a mugshot of the president's lawyer a mugshot of the president's lawyer john eastman you know, Rudy Giuliani has to go down there. I think right. Jenna Ellis is involved. And you, these, this is these are lawyers, lawyers working for a client who happens to be the president of the United States, and now they are being indicted or coming into this this legal process where the president's been indicted, and it, it is absolutely unprecedented in our history, and it should be, and it should never ever happen. It, it, you know, it's absolutely we don't have a system based on the Constitution, the Bill of Rights it has to be what people start to understand. And I'll just add one one more point about I was reading one of these stories because a lot of the January 6th defendants are being convicted on what they said in a text to someone else, a private a private chat. And it, so in other words, their speech is being criminalized. And, and you know, this is, again, unprecedented. But I saw this. I think it was one of uh, it was a, a mainstream outlet was was explaining this vis-a-vis the Oath Keepers leader Stuart Rhodes, who was given 18 years in prison. He didn't even enter the Capitol. He didn't even enter it, and he's got wow. 18 years of prison. 
the 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 the, the apologist was was talking about how you know we're, our First Amendment is evolving, and you know we have to realize that people uh, uh, can't be allowed to spread misinformation without consequences. That's amazing. That whole idea of the of the First Amendment evolving that's been a perspective of I think progressivism and certainly socialism in regards to our Bill of Rights and Constitution all along, that it's, quote, a living, breathing document that changes. Right. And of course, it never changes. It never, ever changes to establish greater individual rights, greater uh, cherishing of personal individuals and protection of them. It always evolves toward the collective, toward um the 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 mass or the hive or the group or the collective yes uh, diana tell us again the name of this uh, amazing journalist and around january 6th and um where we can find his material uh, his name is steve baker and he's on a platform called locals and he also has been hired by the blaze he's on twitter i'm i'm still locked out of twitter but he is still there julie kelly has done fantastic work you can find her i guess now at real clear politics she did the book Um, right she did the book and gateway pundit has covered case upon case upon case upon case i mean they've been such an important outlet for these men and mostly men and their families just to get some kind of sunshine on what's going on because they've been tortured. They've been incarcerated without, these are nonviolent first offenders for the most part who have been incarcerated for years now before trial. Yes. It's, 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 you know, they're not given their proper medical care. I mean, literally they've been beaten up. It's, it's absolutely shocking and it's sort of happening in the dark even though a lot of it happens at this prison in washington dc that's very close to the u.s capitol that's now known as the dc gulag yes and it deserves that title too from yes it does everything that i've read it's just yes it's unbelievable that this is happening in the yes. united states of america it, and these inf- a- it is because these infractions the vast majority of them, and they've gone over, I don't know how many cases there are, well over a thousand. The, the, the DC prosecutor, Matthew Graves, he has the worst record of crime in Washington, DC. The Washington, DC uh, US attorney has to cover both, you know, sort of DC crime as well as whatever federal crimes come under his, his auspices. The carjackings are up, murders are up, this and that. They're not, he has one of the worst records in the country for actually taking cases forward that are brought by police and so on in DC. DC has become unlivable. And I, I know that I'm a, I'm a DC, longtime DC resident. I know what's going on there. Um, but he, he's announced earlier this year that he would be expanding the scope of the January 6th investigations to bring in, you know, a thousand more defendants. And these are, these are generally speaking, misdemeanor, you know, parading in a wrong place kind of thing. They're misdemeanors that get this felony charge attached to them, which is so wrong. I can't believe it hasn't gone, hasn't been overruled. It's something called obstruction of an official proceeding, which is an Enron era piece of legislation that was actually designed to prevent, it's a white collar law that was designed to present the uh, 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 inappropriate uh, shredding or or dis- disappearance of evidence. 
Mm. It, it, it has nothing to do with political protest, literally. And when jo- I think it was George Bush, the younger, signed it into law, actually wrote a piece about this some months ago. He uh, he he said this should not be used in in political protest cases, and that is where they get the twenty year uh, sentence attached to all these misdemeanors. And a lot of these different defendants have been convicted or have pled on terrible advice from their attorneys to these charges. And, and it is, it's, it's absolutely legally just balderdash. I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's completely inappropriate, but you know, these novel, I think it was Glenn Greenwald or somebody, I think it was Glenn Greenwald was talking about how all of these cases are advancing on these novel, unever, never seen before interpretations of law. In other words, twisting of law. And and that's where we are. It's like the, the beast wants to justify his his nefarious crimes legally. And you then you just think, oh my gosh, Stalin's show trials, they all went to court, right? I mean, it's the same mentality and it's the same effect. Yes. The effect has been, I think, beyond imagination. I remember looking at uh, some of the pro giant protests going on in Europe, and we've had no such protests here since January 6th. It has completely crushed any kind of, of um, outdoors assembly of any large yes. scale, as far as I know, among among a more conservative, libertarian, freedom orientation, constitutionalist orientation. That's a good point. That's I mean, a very good point. Yeah, I don't know of any. Do you know of any large ones and uh, that have taken place? There must be some, but boy, they <laughs> give maybe him, a Trump rally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. right. It's about and the that's biggest. It, yeah, that's the ev- and then that's the evidence that if they can do it safely, people will do it, but they can't do it safely outside a Trump rally. Well, it's true. And there's something called geofencing, which is a technical term that is extremely unconstitutional. It's basically a surveillance technique that depends on people's cell phones. And so it's it's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. I mean, I think a junior high school kid can figure that out. It it and it was used to to dragnet a lot of these January 6 defendants in. There was recently, this is a related issue, there was recently a a uh, a lawsuit that began. Uh, there was a California church that Let, refused. Let's not get. Uh, oh, we're okay. at the end. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, we got one more segment. Now. Oh, okay. I'll tell you about the church then. You can tell us about the church, but and I really want you to tell us about what's going on in Hawaii. That's unbelievable. Okay. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. 
No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. This is Peter Bregan and Ginger Bregan, America Out Loud Pulse. And we return with our friend and our um, really heroic friend, Diana West, who um, has written one of the most important books I've ever read, American Betrayal. And uh, that helped me to understand um, more about looking in depth beyond where I might ordinarily look. And I've been a very deep researcher. So um, this this is an outstanding um, individual. And uh, like all of us who get involved in these issues uh, and start to look deeply, Ginger, myself, Diana, um, you know, we just get censored out from the beginning from this press that Diana is describing as now working in the service of the totalitarian state. Ginger, did you have any more thoughts and would you turn it back to Diana? I'm going to turn it back to Diana because I want to hear about Hawaii. Oh, good. (laughs) Yes. Hawaii. Yes. Let me just finish the geofencing quickly. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a, it's called a location based tool that the government can use to track individuals. It's very, it, it's it's surreptitious over, of spying. And anyway, this church defied the COVID lockdown rules. They continued to meet, they continue you know, to worship, they continue, they would not wear masks, et cetera. They were fined $1.2 million uh, in California, but they've launched a suit against the government for using geofencing. Get this, the government used geofencing to snoop on the parishioners when they came to church to see who was coming, what they were doing, how long they were staying there, where they were going. It's absolute violation of everything we hold sacred in terms of our our sovereignty as individuals versus the the, the collective, we should call it, not the state any longer, the collective. Yes. So anyway, that case has gone forward or, or at least has been has been um advanced to a point of going. What, what part of the justice system was doing this? California, let's see, they were ordered to pay, I think it was, it's a federal, they filed a federal lawsuit against so the unconstitutionality. Against, so it must, yeah, must be the, the FBI government. or the CIA. Yes. Or they... I think it was local government. Santa Clara County uh, was using this. Using this, uh, wow. tech, Yeah. Yeah. And then if we move over, if we shift west from California, my home state, to Hawaii, which is just this open wound i mean it's such a it's such a a tragic horrible horrifying story we see again the same well we see many things but but in in terms of our discussion today we see more of the same lockdown to use our word here lockdown of the media self-censorship of the media because again, that's the flip side of the lockdown. If you self-censor as a journalist, you get more access to the appropriate or the approved sources and stories. I mean, they control so much of what is written by holding out access to senior officials and so on. I mean, that's an old game, but and which is one reason why nobody really should publish anything with 
with um, unnamed sources. <laughs> it's you know it's it's they should be on the record or not. I've come to believe in in most instances because they hold this over you. And um, anyway, Hawaii with the fires in Lahaina is in a state of complete censorship. They do not allow journalists in. And there's a there's a no fly zone. There was just recently, again, this was a gateway pundit story about a a a approved a licensed drone operator who had been hired by attorneys. He's produced all kinds of amazing footage of the fire damage and so on. And they they essentially stopped his drone flight as he approached an area that's believed to be at one of the ignition sites, one of the places the fire seems to have started. They stopped his flight. So there, there's no transparency about what is going on there. The, 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 the coverage has been extremely thin when it comes to descri describing all of the terrible things that happened in that, that, that led to this massive incineration and complete destruction of this community, which of course we should remember was mostly Hawaiian Islander owned as right. opposed to Right. And it, it was a place that was uh, uh, the traditional seat of the Hawaiian royal uh, of kingdom. And this is very sacred land. It's utterly destroyed, as most people now know. But in terms of what the government did, what was going on, the conditions, how the conditions were um, created for this 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 complete burn down is just a story that is not being told. And that is going back to this same problem with the um, the state controlling the narrative and, yes. and not yeah. There are there are a string of, um, of of actions or inactions that were all taken that brought about this conflagration. And uh, if if I could just rattle them off, the electricity was left on. And that's uh, that's completely against policy if you've got lines coming down, because, of course, it sparks fires. The water sources for the water hydrants was turned off. The water source was turned off. There was uh, no management or, or poor management of the growth around and surrounding the community, which is necessary in order to prevent kinds of brush fires or that kinds of things. And that feeds the fire again. And there were, um, um, gosh, what else? I know there was a lot after. There was oh, right. no it's warning siren. They no had warning a very siren, right. Yeah, they had a very up-to-date warning system that was for tsunamis and fires and earthquakes. It it's says the so best, in their own state in literature. It's the yeah. best in the world. They didn't and, turn it on. There was yes. no warning. And they then dismissed the were, Yeah. <laughs> Kids were told to stay home for the day. And there was right. a hurricane coming, but I believe it was not unmanageable. It wasn't like it was some sort of New Orleans level hurricane. And um, uh, there was no rain with it when it showed up. So just this massive wind. So massive there was, wind, there's, yes. And uh, I know that we, a uh, geo engineering of the weather is not our theme today, but I have the personal opinion that uh, that itself is uh, managed to a degree. To, I agree. Yeah, I know you do I agree. To, to the chaos. It's it's it contributes to the chaos. 
Well, it, it does. And I think what most people don't know, because the only discussion of weather that the media will give you is to blame, quote, global warming. Exactly. And the, the fact is, and this is something I'm relatively new to understanding, but I can document it. Weather manipulation is a reality. The United States military and other militaries have been involved in it for Oh, at least 100 years longer. But since World War II, you could go back and research things like Project Cirrus in 1947, which was the first military that we know of manipulation of a hurricane. And it was a big disaster. It sent a hurricane back to the, the city of Savannah and did millions of dollars in damage. This is a fact. We also have in the Vietnam War, we have something called Operation Popeye, which for many years manipulated the weather over Vietnam as a, a, as a weapon of, of what they call weather warfare. This is a fact. So we, I mean, I, I did not know anything about this until recently, relatively recently. But when you factor in the fact that's a long time ago, the sophistication of these weather warfare systems, these weather manipulation systems has to be extraordinary at this point. And we know that the Trump administration and the so-called Biden administration both both put in place various geoengineering programs. This is real. You had you had John Brennan, a CIA director, boosting this notion of solar, what was it, atmospheric injection. You have ionospheric heaters, which which just wreak havoc in the ionosphere that change all kinds of weather patterns. These are realities that people are are kept from understanding because the media is silent. The media is silent. Well, that's sobering. I think the one other thing I want to mention in regards to Hawaii is there are still over a thousand people missing. And the official media reports of deaths are running around uh, 100 as recently as today, I believe. But the unofficial reports from uh, Hawaiians on the ground are they suspect that there are up to a thousand people who are dead. Yes. From this conflagration. At least, at least, because who wouldn't be found at this point? It's not a big place. Right, <laughs> you know, right. And it's an island. It's not it's like an island. Yeah. And there weren't many places to flee to. People fled into the ocean. Over 50 people is what I read fled in early reading, fled into the ocean to avoid the flames, some for hours before they yes. got picked up in the ocean. Just an yes. unbelievable situation. And, and one other one other point, Ginger, for your your list is that the the police blocked people from exiting in the in their cars. The, You're right. They're very, I read that. There's yes, it's true. It's a yeah. true thing. And they that, didn't they didn't utilize the local military to send no. in helicopters and pull people out and send in trucks and then there's this incredible story about blocking the highways out of the city. Right. She, that's yes, what she that's, that's exactly yeah, right. it. And that that is that happened. Then when people started mobilizing who had not been harmed by the hurricane to try to bring in supplies, yeah. they were repulsed. They were not allowed in. People started bringing them in by boat. And then apparently there were all kinds of stories about FEMA confiscating things, not allowing people who were not licensed contractors to serve food, things like that. Unbelievable. Um, just unbelievable. And and again, so it actually dismantles the uh, American spirit of helping your neighbor. Yes. Uh, it completely dismantles that 
great tradition that we've had on the frontiers as they were developed and in some of the crises that we've had, both natural and unnatural in the past. It completely dismantles the individuals from being able to contribute to each other and communities to be able to help each other. It's so important to see this in the context of the global predators, the global totalitarianism we're moving toward. Many people have been talking about the billionaires and they name names, but I can't I can't confirm Oprah or anybody else buying up land there. But we hear about this, that people are swooping in um, to buy up land, much as uh, has been described in, in terms of buying up land in the inner cities. And one of the reasons for for uh, allowing Antifa to go on, encouraging them to go on, bringing them in to go on, was again to lower property values and make make it possible for very wealthy people to scoop up um, land. And uh, of course, they don't they don't want the houses that are there, so the damage is just fine. It's just clearing land for them. Does this sound outrageous? Does this sound impossible? Because I think this is the level that we we have to be aware of. I mean, they're taking paradise and um, they're making it fertile building ground. Well, it doesn't, it, it sounds perfectly logical to me yes. at this point. Maybe 10 years ago, even I might've thought twice, but at this point, it, how can we not, go there? How can we not put two and two together? And yes, Oprah confirmed does own quite extensive holdings on Maui, as does Jeff Bezos, as does uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and others. None of their properties were hit, by the way, by the by these fires. Um, and I still haven't heard anyone explain wildfire to the point of burning down to white ash. There's nothing remaining in a, a, an urban setting. You yeah. know, it's 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 one thing to have a wildfire in a forest, a forest fire, but it's very, um, you know, there's so many questions unanswered. And in terms of the weather manipulation, one other point is with so much spraying, solar spraying, solar radiation management, the chemtrails that many of us see in the skies, the, the chemicals in those sprays have been determined to be desiccants. They dry our forests and lands, which is, I think, we have to consider when we see these wildfires sweeping across northern Canada, for example, right now, and other forests where you would think they're quite verdant and, and impervious to such fires, but no, they have been dried by the spraying according to the geoengineering template. So it's something people should be aware of. It's not just global warming or high temperatures, because if that were the case, then all the hot spots in the world would be burning, you know, every year since time began, because that's that's the condition you're talking about is very, very hot. So these, you know, people have to start thinking way past the media and 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 of course, you know, all the political agitprop. We have to get past our denial in order to face this reality. And yes. I think it's so hard because it's just complete evil. And it's yes. so hard to look at such incredible evil and such evil intention. Yes, that's very true. That is that is a big block, I think, for a lot of people. They just can't conceive of it because it's so foreign to their own way of, of, of life and their own, their own outlook. So yes, I think after these last three years, I think there will be more people wiser as we go forward, especially if they bring back the 
lockdown as we see these intimations of Fauci's back, telling us about lockdown as a way of getting people vaccinated, et cetera. I mean, this is this happened this week in the news. Um, we see different kinds of COVID, quote, uh, restrictions coming at a, there's a studio out in California there, you know, you see little bits and pieces. Are they bringing it back? People at least know more now and should be able to resist in a more concerted fashion. I certainly hope. How are we doing on time in general? I mean, we could, we are fine to go to the end of this now or. Yeah, we can do uh, another minute and a half. Okay. Well, <laughs> We can only scratch the surface of of what more Diana West could contribute. Uh, Diana, it's just a pleasure <laughs> to be in, in touch with you and working with you and uh, to have a history together with you. And thank you, Ginger, for starting it by bringing home <laughs> her book on um, children. The uh, It's just, um, what's the name? The of Death the of the Grown-Up. The Death of the Grown-Up, yeah. And... Um, these are such important works by Diana West. Uh, look her up, folks. Um, you, can, you can even read her Wikipedia and see how wonderful she is through the filters of Wikipedia, which is just quite something. Um, and she is a great to look. <laughs> and she has a great column. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Diana, what's your, uh, what's your uh, give you URL? Oh, sure. DianaWest.net is my website. And I have a Patreon channel. And I am at Real Diana West on Gab. Great. Thank you so much. We will have you back again and again. And, Wonderful. Uh, uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's just amazing that you are there. You're one of the braver people in the entire intellectual community of the world. And I oh, really, well, I you. really, I really, that's, really mean that. And uh, well, that's quite a lot coming from you, Peter. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much. God, God, Brave I, heart. I don't know what your spiritual beliefs are, but I ask God to protect you and take care of you. Thank you. God yes. bless you both. God bless you. Thank you, Diana. For thank to you, our wonderful, wonderful audience, for taking this seriously. Yes.